Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for ASHP's Practice Journey podcast. This podcast invites members to share their stories about the professional path, lessons learned, and how their experiences shaped who and where they are today. My name is Michelle Johnston, and I am a P4 student at the University of Cincinnati. And today we will be chatting with PGY1 residents, Kelly Strama, Lucy Gaynor, Isabel Toe, and Jason Levy about how to successfully navigate the life of a PGY1 pharmacy resident. Thank you for joining us today. Our first question to knock things off is tell me a little bit about yourself and your current position. And Kelly, if you would like to start us off on this. Of course. Hi, everyone. Thanks for the opportunity to be here today. Like Michelle said, my name is Kelly Strama, and I am originally from St. Clairsville, Ohio, and I attended undergrad at Ohio University, where I received my Bachelor of Science in Biology. Then after graduation at Ohio University, I moved to Cincinnati to attend the University of Cincinnati College of Pharmacy. I graduated last year, and now I'm currently a PGY-1 at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, and my main interests are in internal medicine and cardiology. And hi, everyone. My name is Lucy Gaynor. Again, thank you for having me today. I am originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and I completed my bachelor's degree at the University of Cincinnati, as well as my doctor of pharmacy degree. I am currently completing my PGY-1 pharmacy residency at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center, which is also where I was an intern during pharmacy school, and I'm currently most interested in general pediatrics. Hi, my name is Isabel Toe. Also, just thank you for having me on the podcast today. I completed both my pharmacy and undergrad training at the University of Pittsburgh, so out in Pennsylvania. Currently, I'm completing a PGY-1 at the University of Illinois Chicago Specialty Pharmacy Services Residency. I would say my main areas of interest are sort of specialty pharmacy um, with a mix of that clinical aspect as well. Um, but prior to being a PGY-1 resident, I worked at Blink Rx Pharmacy, which is actually a, a virtual pharmacy specialty hub. Hi, everyone. My name is Jason Levy. I am from the University of Houston College of Pharmacy, where I got my pharmacy degree. I'm currently a PGY-1, PGY-2 Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership Resident with the Houston program. And some of my areas of interest, a little bit different from your general PGY-1, but mainly opioid stewardship, ambulatory care management, as well as mentorship as a whole. And before residency, I didn't really work, but I did work as Walgreens as a technician in the outpatient setting. So the hospital was kind of brand new to me. But thank you all for having me. Awesome. Thank you all for joining. So exciting to hear so many different interests and backgrounds. Um, Next question is, can you give us a little bit of background about your current practice site and professional responsibilities? And Lucy, if you'd like to start us off. Yeah, of course. So as I said, I am currently at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center, which is an over 600-bed hospital. It's a level one trauma center, level four NICU, and overall just has a very high acuity of patients. I would say my day-to-day roles and responsibilities are definitely variable based on the rotation that I'm on, but generally, you know, pretty standard. I work up my patients in the morning, discuss them, discuss the patients and my uh, recommendations with my preceptor prior to rounds, participate in interdisciplinary patient care rounds on the floor, and then usually have 
meetings, topic discussions, or project time in the afternoons. My afternoons are usually pretty variable. Sunshine Children's has a mixed model type of pharmacy. So we have clinical specialists that are practicing with the same team on a daily basis, as well as decentralized clinical pharmacists that kind of rotate through various general pediatric services, as well as staffing. And then we also have pharmacists that just staff in our inpatient pharmacy, as well as our satellite pharmacies. As a resident, my responsibilities, like I said, vary based on the rotation, uh, but generally, you know, balancing patient care as well as various short and long-term projects, including my longitudinal research, updating variable epic order sets or different projects that come up during the rotations. So a little bit of background on the University of Illinois Chicago or UIC's specialty pharmacy. Um, it's actually a dual accredited health system specialty pharmacy, so an HSSP. It's fully integrated into the UI health health system. Um, so our pharmacy, our pharmacy employees actually have access to the, um, the patient's electronic health records that really allow us to kind of have that additional um, clinical intervention with our patients. So the, uh, the residency itself is sort of set up longitudinally. So most of our rotations are longitudinal rotations in that every single, the day, every single day of the week, me and my co-resident are probably in different places. Typically we will be, um, one day of the week, we will have an operations and fulfillment rotation where we will participate in the dispensing and ver verification of the, the medication. One day of the week, we could be in an outpatient clinic um, where we will assist kind of just in that typical outpatient pharmacist duties, um, seeing patients face-to-face -face or virtually. Two days out of the week, we're typically in our clinical care center. So that's sort of that direct patient care specifically with our specialty pharmacy services. And then one day of the week, we may have a project day where we work on those um, additional longitudinal projects. That could be any lectures that we're giving as um, our residency is very closely related to the College of Pharmacy. We also have our, our research project as well, in um, addition to administrative kind of tasks as well, like our quality improvement project. And Jason over here, uh, talking about Harris Health System, we actually have two main hospital pavilions, one of them being Ben Taub, a 600-bed level one trauma center in the Texas Medical Center, and then LBJ or Lyndon Baines Johnson Hospital. It's a 215-bed level three trauma center in like northeast Houston, more of a, a health desert really in that area. We serve, for the most part, uh, indigent patients, those that may not have insurance, and my responsibilities personally as the administrative pharmacy resident is more looking at how I can help manage certain projects. Uh, for one, I'm the secretary for the Opioid Task Force Subcommittee. I help to onboard the new incoming residents for the 2023-2024 class, uh, help to spearhead the residency recruitment process as a whole. One new project I'm actually working on is kind of helping to implement the hospital at home system. You know, the idea of being able to take a patient that you'd admit inpatient, treat them on site, but rather than treating them on site, treat them at home, hence hospital at home. That's been a lot of fun, as well as being a part of the Houston program means that I'm also concurrently working on a master's degree at the University of Houston College of Pharmacy, where I'm actually a uh, resident by day, student by night, as I always like to say. And this is Kelly at UCMC. We have an academic medical center and a level one trauma center. So we see a variety of patients and have a variety of patient um, of pharmacy services. In my current position as a PGY1 pharmacy resident, the day-to-day -day responsibilities really vary depending on which rotation I'm on. Our hospital has both centralized and decentralized pharmacists, and we also have clinical pharmacy specialists that cover or around with their specialty area of practice. 
I would say that the majority of our pharmacy rotations are rounding services such as medicine, critical care, or other specialty services where the resident is responsible for rounding with the team and fully covering all of the patients on their service. And we also complete the pharmacy consult orders for our patients, such as anticoagulation management or for pharmacokinetics. And we also assess appropriateness of all the medication orders for our patients. We spend the majority of time focusing on patient care, depending on the rotation. And we also serve as a resource for our team for any and all medication-related questions or concerns that come up. And then in addition to the day-to-day -day responsibilities that we focus on, we also have a variety of longitudinal projects, such as our year-long research project. We have two CE-approved pharmacy grand rounds, a medication use evaluation, and we also do a process improvement project. Thank you. It's awesome to hear how involved you all are. Next question is, why did you apply or decide to apply to residency? We'll start with Isabel. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think one of the main reasons I wanted to apply to a residency is, is sort of the residency experience and the, the kind of experiences that you get in a residency are sort of invaluable. Um, you have so many diverse experiences wrapped within one year. You complete so many projects, you network with so many individuals, you become so familiar and, and more confident in your pharmacy clinical skills. Um, so that's something that I really wanted to get out of a residency. It sort of really aligned to my career goals. I wanted to really gain a good foundation of um, sort of whatever facet of pharmacy I ended up in a residency. Luckily, it ended up being specialty pharmacy. I didn't have too much experience in specialty pharmacy prior, so I wanted to be a part of a residency that would really give me a strong foundation, especially in, in more non-traditional areas of pharmacy like managed care or specialty home infusion. It can be a little bit difficult to, to get your foot in the door without a residency, um, so having that residency experience um, kind of highlights you as a candidate. Yeah, kind of echoing off that, you know, when I first looked into the residency, I didn't really think this was something I wanted to do, but it's one of those things that it's such a diverse and wealthy way to hit all this education all at once. And if you don't do it off the bat, sometimes it's hard to go back later to do it. And so for me, when I looked at all the different programs, I wasn't necessarily interested in the PGY-1 clinical, but more so this whole management route, because at least with the Houston program, the program that I decided to apply to, I had this strong network that I could fall back on, all these different pharmacists and different aspects of the profession and throughout the entire country. So if I wanted to stay in the hospital setting inpatient or go outpatient with ambulatory care, I have connections to industry. I can even look at maybe a managed care perspective. And at the end of the day, I can always go back to what really brought me to the professional pharmacy was mentorship, You know, being able to train the next generation of student pharmacists and really helping them decide where they want to go next. And I feel like my residency really has all of those capabilities packed together in one nice little two-year package. I decided to apply to become a pharmacy resident because I really wanted to take full advantage of the opportunity for continued learning and for specialization. And I knew that I wanted to eventually become a clinical pharmacy specialist and to apply for a PGY2 program following my first year of residency. So um, applying for residency really has just opened so many doors and it has exposed me to many new opportunities that I really value. And ultimately, I'll have these experiences to look back on and to use in my long-term career position. 
In my experience within hospital pharmacy as an intern, I felt like there was a greater sense of confidence from the pharmacists who had residency training, especially when it was related to making clinical recommendations. And that was something that I really admired about those pharmacists as a student and knew that I wanted to be similar to that once I was practicing. I knew early on in pharmacy school that I wanted to have some sort of clinical aspect to my job as well after completion of pharmacy school. And I knew that completing a PGY-1 residency allows you more flexibility in terms of what opportunities are available to you post-residency training. Great. Thank you all for sharing. Our next question is, can you describe the application process for a residency and what helped you prepare the most? Jason, we'll start off with you. Yeah, for sure. I think the number one thing that I kind of look back on wishing I started earlier was having kind of an Excel spreadsheet of all the different programs I wanted to apply to. This way I can kind of map out all the different attributes each site offered, you know, the stipend, the core rotations, the RPD, RPC, the location, anything I needed was all in this spreadsheet. And this served me well when I went into interviews because I could easily refer to this to see what the key talking points that I wanted to bring up about each hospital was. Also being able to reach out to a lot of my mentors, kind of having those role-playing experiences when it comes to interviews, having them proofread my letter of intent, as well as ensuring that it matches with the program that I'm trying to apply for. And most importantly, reaching out to the current residents at whatever site I was looking to apply to, just to get an idea of what an average day in the life was for that resident to make sure that, you know, this site really does align with my true goals and what I'm looking for out of a residency. So for the application process for a pharmacy resident, as far as like the forecast application, that'll start a little bit later in the year around November or December. But I would really encourage any APPI student who's interested in pursuing a pharmacy residency to start researching and to start thinking about the application process pretty early on in their APPI rotations. I think the best way to prepare ahead of time is to just get started early to make sure you have sufficient time, like Jason said, to start looking into those programs, making Excel sheets and looking at the application requirements that each of those have. And then outside of researching the different program requirements and the forecast process, there's also a few other things that you can, can that you can do ahead of time, such as asking for letters of recommendation early on in rotations that you feel that you've had a strong performance in. Um, the preceptors will really appreciate the advance notice, and they'll be prepared to write you a letter when you do reach back out to them during the application process. Um, and this can also give you some peace of mind as well, just knowing that you have the letter writers that you need when you go to fill out the application. And then another way I would encourage you to pre prepare is just by having your CV up to date and to start thinking about some of those experiences that you have had during your time as a student that you really want to highlight in your application. So these might include leadership or research, academic or volunteer experiences, for example. And this will just really help the application process go much smoother when the time comes for you to fill out the actual application in that November and December timeframe. I would also really emphasize the importance of kind of realizing what your own priorities are when looking into programs. So whether that be location, the acuity of patients, or just specific rotations that you're interested in that a program offers, as well as communicating with the program 
as early as you're able to, whether that be at mid-year or if they're attending regional meetings that you'll be at, or if they host open houses, either virtually or in person, if you're able to attend those, I think they're really helpful to just get your name out there early and start networking with individuals from that program. It can be super beneficial early on in the application process. I also would highly recommend just really doing your best on those appy rotations because your preceptors can write you such strong letters of recommendations if they can see how hard you're working throughout the month. So while you're also prioritizing, you know, this application process, it's really important to prioritize your performance on those rotations as well. Sorry about that, Lucy. Um, but I completely agree with what you are saying, kind of like um, understanding what you want to get out of the program, um, kind of like the importance of what you want. Um, so say like if maybe work-life balance is important for you, then you want to find a residency that has that component, or maybe you're interested in like a PEDS program, or you're interested in a very vigorous on-call program. You want to kind of find residency programs that have that component that match what you're looking for. I think something that's also really important is the way you schedule and choose your, your APPE rotations. Um, for example, if you have areas of pharmacy that you're interested in, you should probably schedule those a little bit earlier. So you can have that experience, you can speak to those in interviews, you can hopefully network with individuals, or maybe even potentially rotate in a place that has a residency that you're interested in. I think also going off of that, every single appy rotation, um, just writing down every single little thing that you did, because a lot of these interviews use situational questions where they ask, um, tell me a time when you did this, or, or tell me an example of this when you did this during the rotation. And every sort of little experience that you gain during your rotations can easily be um, related to or relayed during your interviews. Awesome. I think that's all great advice, um, especially starting early, being organized is super helpful. Our next question is, what is important for students to keep in mind if they plan to apply for residency? Kelly, we'll start with you. Yeah, so I would say that one of the things that's most important for uh, students, if they are planning on applying for a residency is really to just stay on top of planning and staying organized to do the physical application process. So like I mentioned before, um, having your CV up to date, starting to think about uh, your letter writers, trying to highlight some of the experiences that you had during your appy rotations and during school, and really trying to uh, stand out as a well-rounded student pharmacist. And then um, just make sure to be yourself through the process and try to find your true interests. And I think that'll really help guide you along the way into what program that you're meant to be in. Yeah, I think my biggest advice early on in pharmacy school would just be to get involved in organizations early. A variety of leadership experiences can be so important when you're applying for residency and allow you to have more experiences to speak to in your interviews. Also, you're able to get involved at your place of employment, having different projects uh, or experiences from various different areas. So whether it be at the College of Pharmacy or at your place of employment or what, however you volunteer, just a wide variety of experiences can really set you apart from different applicants for residency. So I would encourage you to kind of widen your scope of different experiences. And similar to what Isabel said previously, just making that list of those unique experiences or 
clinical recommendations that you make during your appies can really make a difference and give you an easy reference to look at when you are preparing for interviews. Yeah, I think um, I would say an important piece of advice for students who plan on applying to residencies is just um, sort of like what Lucy mentioned earlier, kind of experiencing as many different areas of, of pharmacy as they can because they never really know what may interest them until they actually have sort of a taste of it. This can be through your IPIs, your APIs, your job experiences, um, organizations, um, volunteer experiences, um, but really kind of um, having an open mind of what you want in your future, what your future goals may be. And then that can also sort of broaden your scope and the types of residencies you want to apply to as well. Yeah, and kind of building what everyone said, you know, keep an open mind. Don't be afraid to say yes to things you're uncomfortable in. I think a big part of learning and growing as a pharmacist is being uncomfortable, sorry, being comfortable with uncomfortable and just really being in those areas that take us out of our shell and make us think and and, and struggle a little bit because that's really how you learn best. I would definitely say when you're on your appy rotations, you know, kind of look through your CV and realize, you know, what, what are things that I'm missing? What are things, what are projects that I could ask to be a part of during this rotation that might spruce up my CV a little bit or give me that, that edge? You know, if you've never done an MUE, that could be an area that you could work on and discuss with your preceptor. And hopefully you can try and get that through in the six weeks you have with them. But kind of just looking for those opportunities to just improve yourself. You know, if, if you're on a rotation and you feel like you're stagnating, that's an opportunity for you to improve. I love that. Great advice of being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Our next question is, how was the process transitioning from a student to a pharmacy resident? Lucy, if you'll start us off. Yes, I think this is a really important question because this was something I was very stressed out about upon graduation from pharmacy school. But I think my program really supported me through this process. We actually had two months of orientation, which sounds like a lot, but really gave me an opportunity to feel really confident in my staffing requirement uh, before starting those clinical rotations and allowed me to get a head start on my longitudinal research project early on in the program. But overall, I would really just advise you to be patient with yourself. Uh, this is you're, you're going to learn a lot in a short period of time and it can be overwhelming. Um, so just being patient with yourself and giving yourself a little bit of grace and realizing that you might make mistakes and that's okay. You're a new pharmacist and you're here to learn and as well as getting organized quickly. I was thrown a lot of projects and deadlines at the very beginning of the residency and it can be overwhelming, but I really tried to break apart those larger projects into smaller deadlines and sharing those deadlines with my preceptors in order to hold myself accountable for those deadlines to make sure that I was on track for those longer projects. And that really helped me throughout the year. Yeah, definitely the, the transition to being a student to a pharmacy resident can be a difficult transition. I think um, one of the biggest challenges that I had with this transition was sort of taking ownership of um, you know, like the clinical decisions that I was making, managing technicians, just being a part of the pharmacy workflow, but as a pharmacist, so you have, have a different role than what you've had for the past four years. And I think what really helped me during this transition was kind of the, the support system that I had. So my preceptor was very supportive. Anytime I had a concern about this transition, anytime I was stressed, anytime I was worried, I would let her know I would be very transparent 
I'm kind of just like what Lucy said, I would make her aware of these soft deadlines. Um, so I would have someone to hold me accountable. So I would have someone to give me that support. And then the additional pharmacists that we worked with were also sort of very understanding that we were in that transition as well. But they also gave us that confidence saying that, you know, you are a licensed pharmacist now, like we trust what you're doing, but we're still going to monitor you. If you need any additional support, we will help you. But you are in this position for a reason. Um, and we would like to see you um, sort of excel in that position. Yeah, and I, and I think another thing too is just being transparent with your workload when it comes to all the residency responsibilities. You know, it's hard. There will be a lot of deadlines and time management is critical. So I highly recommend working on that skill now. But letting your RPD, RPC know just how much is on your plate. If you ever feel like it's too much or if you just, you're not sure what to do, reach out. You know, if you ever feel like you need help, don't be quiet about it. You know, speak up, let them help you, especially when it comes with your preceptors, because a lot of times they may not know everything that you're doing outside of their clinical rotation. So to kind of engage with them and, and just ask, you know, hey, I have all of this going on X, Y, and Z. Could you help me re prioritize my time so I can make sure I can meet your clinical expectations while also meeting my residency expectations. I'm guaranteeing you right now, they will definitely work with you and they'll be more happy that you came to them and showing that accountability for being a resident, all these different responsibilities. The one thing I also want to highlight is staffing. I know a lot of students have hesitations when it comes to their, their first staffing shift over the weekend. And it, it can be overwhelming because you just got your pharmacy degree and the last thing you want to do is lose it, right? But reach out for help. You have a bunch of staff pharmacists there that have been doing the job for 5, 10, 20 years. They are more than willing to help you if you can build the courage and confidence to reach out when you need it. I feel that for me, the process of integrating from a student to a pharmacy resident was actually a little bit smoother than I originally expected. Um, luckily, the health system that I'm in now has a lot of learners, including medical students and residents, pharmacy students and residents, and other learners that come through as well. So everyone's been really accepting and understanding that while we are licensed pharmacists, we are still learning as well. And as the year has gone by, I definitely have noticed a lot of growth in my knowledge base and my overall confidence as well. I'd say that one of my biggest challenges for me as a resident was the variety of different longitudinal projects and responsibilities that we have. Because as a student, I really like to start and complete projects within a short time frame. But as a resident, our projects are more designed to be longitudinal and to be year long. So this just took some time to adjust to and knowing that I can't get everything done all at once and learning how to break the projects into smaller pieces over a longer time frame. So once I got used to working on those projects longitudinally, it definitely helped me with my overall work-life balance. Um, and it was definitely easier to adjust for each rotation. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. I think that is a big point that a lot of people get nervous about in that transition period. So it's nice to hear all your advice. And our next question is, do you have any advice for students who recently matched? Isabel? Yeah, I would say one of my kind of like top advice for recently matched students is kind of preparing for the NAPLEX, your MPAG for, so preparing for those boards. I was originally out of state, so I was in Pennsylvania, and then I matched at a residency that was in Illinois. So I had to um, kind of understand how the Illinois exams had to be scheduled. Um, so all of my classmates were doing like the Pennsylvania exams, and I kind of had to figure it out on my own. Um, so just allowing for that time, any like errors, any scheduling things. I also really recommend to schedule the completion of these exams prior to your residency date. 
Um, you don't want to be kind of dealing with the transition of becoming a PGY-1 and also studying for these exams, which can take some time. Yeah, and I think when it comes to law exam, uh, if you are moving out of state, it can definitely be intimidating. A quick Google search, just figuring out good preparatory material, as well as just which MPJE or which law exam might be harder. I know Texas and California are notorious for being some of the hardest in the nation, but reaching out to some of the residents in that state could also help if they have any suggestions on things you can look at uh, when it comes to NAPLEX and MPJE. Uh, I will say, you know, it probably has been a while since some of us have done calculations. So that was the first thing I hit. And that probably took me the longest to review, but also realize you just matched, you know, take some time to relax depress, go on maybe a little vacation because you just finished four years of pharmacy school, so maybe three years. And this is a great time just to realize how far you made it and to celebrate your first major achievement. But I definitely echo the fact that you want to try and take these exams before you start residency because it, it is difficult to kind of double up with both your residency and studying for the exams. My biggest piece of advice, like Jason has mentioned, is just to take that time to rest and relax prior to starting residency. I know you guys will have a busy time coming up, finishing up your rotations, graduating, and starting to study for those NAPLEX exams and your law exams. Then you might be starting getting ready to move to a new place into a new program. So it really is important just to make sure that you are taking some time for yourself, doing some of the things that you love, because your pharmacy residency will be pretty busy. So you just want to make sure to take that time prior. And I think that'll help you a lot with your transition into residency as well. I would echo all of that. The earlier you can take your exams and get that weight off your shoulder, the better so that you can really try to rest and relax a little bit prior to hitting the ground running at the start of residency. I would also recommend reaching out to the current residents at the program that you are going to be starting at. I think they can be a super helpful resource to you, maybe give you a little bit of insight about the program and also about the city that you're potentially moving to as far as what you know neighborhoods are good to live in, if they have any recommendations of apartments that are good or that they have lived in during the during their residency. I think that they can be a really helpful resource if you reach out to them. Thank you for sharing. That's all great advice. Our next question is, what approach did you take when selecting rotations for residency? Any advice for students who are interested in pursuing a PGY-2 after completing their PGY-1? Jason, to start us off. Yeah, so for me, since I did the two-year residency, it was, it was slightly different for the HSPAL since for us, our clinical rotations are front-loaded. We have to complete them all within our first year, just like every other PGY-1. But most of my interests happen to be more management-type rotations, so I don't really get access to most of those until my second year. So my approach to picking my rotations was to pick ones that I truly enjoyed and loved the most. I felt like that way I could really do my best to excel in those clinical rotations that I ended up doing and also kind of getting you know a, a nice... I guess you could say farewell to the clinical aspect of things because I, I am worried that once I kind of get into the management side, I will start to lose my clinical acumen that I spent the last four years building. So I really wanted to pick those rotations that really reached out to me and, and made me feel happiest. And for me, that's, for example, emergency medicine. For those kind of looking into a PGY2, uh, again, I kind of get streamlined into mine, but I think we've echoed it enough, just reaching out to those that are currently in that role, finding the specific sites. You know, if you're interested in ambulatory care, 
look at all the ones that say in the state you're you're in to figure out what the differences are between those PGY2 programs, which ones have more of the projects or maybe some of the patient population that you are most interested in handling and treating once you actually graduate. I think that'll kind of help you narrow your scope onto where you really want to apply for that PGY2. For me, prior to starting my rotations, I knew that I wanted to um, pursue a career in either cardiology or internal medicine. So our RPD actually reached out to us ahead of time to ask what our career interests were. That way, we were able to have those experiences early on prior to mid-year. And we were able to, to decide if we either wanted to apply for the early commit positions that we had for our PGY2 programs here or choose talk to specific programs at mid-year for our specific interests. So besides those rotations, I did look at all the rotations that were available and I determined which ones were required and which ones were available as elective. And from there, I really just tried to pick a variety of rotations that would get me a well-rounded experience. And after I started residency, I have also been able to tailor them as I went along. So once I decided to pursue a PGY2 internal medicine residency, I switched around a couple of my rotations um, so that I would get the best experiences prior to um, starting my next year. Yeah, I think an important piece to keep in mind when you're considering your rotations that you're going to take or have during residency is that this is your last opportunity to be a learner. So having that well-rounded PGY-1 is so important because at the end of the day, you don't really know what jobs are going to be available to you at the end of residency. So having that well-rounded experience can really set you up for success in a variety of potential positions. And as far as considering PGY-2, I think my advice would be to you know, be transparent if your program that you are doing a PGY-1 has a PGY-2, you know, asking about early commitment early and understanding what that process is and how you can set yourself up for success when applying for PGY-2. Just, you know, taking on additional projects with different rotations or just doing the best that you can to set yourself up for success for PGY-2 applications if you do not end up early committing to the program that you are in for PGY-1. Yeah, so I think the approach that I took in um, selecting rotations, we actually were only able to choose um, two elective rotations, but my thought process was I wanted to gain experience in rotations that would supplement my learning in specialty pharmacy. So I was able to rotate in the um, the rheumatology clinic. We received so many um, prescriptions from that patient population, Humira, Enbrel, for all those inflammatory conditions. Um, so I wanted to be stronger in that aspect. And then I also wanted that um, sort of face-to-face -face interaction as well, because specialty pharmacy is typically um, telephonic encounters. Also, the same thing, I, I wanted to rotate in and out of the heart failure clinic, um, just because specialty pharmacy does service sort of like those PCSK9 inhibitors, so Repatha and Proluent. Um, I also wanted to understand or, or have a better understanding of that kind of space as well. Um, so sort of rotations that would supplement my learning in specialty pharmacy. I actually don't have too much advice um, for students who are interested in a PGY-2 because um, specialty pharmacies don't typically require a, a PGY-2. Um, they're typically more for the, uh, the administrative role. 
Great. It's nice to hear all those different areas and strategies for picking those elective rotations. And our next question is, one of the challenges of residency is transitioning from the role of the learner to the role of an independent practitioner. Do you have any advice or strategies you could share on how to successfully make this transition? And Kelly, we'll start with you. Yeah, of course. So one of my biggest pieces of advice would to be start to identify your areas of strength and weaknesses and be open with your preceptors about the areas that you feel comfortable with and what areas that you would like them to help intervene on and for them to be more present on making decisions about. I would also say to make sure during your orientation period that you're able to identify your institution's resources and become familiar with those. Be familiar with your hospital's medication guidelines because a lot of pharmacy medication-related questions that come up can likely be found just from those resources that you have. And then over time, you will start to build your confidence and you'll start to know um, the answers um, just without even having to look towards the guidelines, but having those available can be very helpful as you're getting started. This is definitely one of the biggest learning pieces throughout the entirety of residency. This isn't something that you learn on day one. The confidence really builds over time and will continue to build after residency as you continue to be that independent practitioner. Uh, so having that patience with yourself that you're not expected to know everything all on day one. And this really is a learning process and your confidence in your knowledge and recommendations will come with time. I think that utilizing your resources is really important, but eventually you will get to a point where you know the information and don't need to look every single thing up. Um, but realizing that that will come with time after looking it up probably 25 times before you can feel confident in it. And that's okay. Yeah, sort of reiterating on um, what Kelly and Lucy said takes time to build that confidence. But, you know, I think you need to be be understanding of the fact that you are going to be a lifelong learner, no matter how many years of pharmacy you have under your belt. People who have been in pharmacy for years are still learning new things because, you know, new things are being created, new guidelines are being prepared. Um, so there's always a point where you're going to be learning something new. And I think that's something that you should be understanding for and, and kind of like give yourself uh, some of that grace. Sort of what Jason said very early on in the podcast, being comfortable with being uncomfortable I think it's really important to put yourself in situations where maybe you're not as comfortable because in those situations, you're going to learn the most, where you can maybe make some mistakes and then you're going to continue to learn from those mistakes because you're probably never going to forget the mistake that you made. So really just like gaining that experience, becoming more familiar, um, gaining that confidence with time and with the experiences that you gain under your belt, but still continuing to learn um, no matter what space you're in. Yeah, they, they nailed all the good points. I think a good one for me, identifying my institution's resources, you know, the IV push policy, renal dosing protocol, auto substitutions, because those are some things that you may know off the top of your head what the renal dosing should be for a drug, but your policy or protocol might say a little differently. So it's good to know both resources and where to go to find those resources as well. 
And of course, we said it multiple times, but, you know, create that strong relationship with your staff pharmacist, your clinical specialists, you know, defer to expertise on areas that you may not be as sharp in. You know, if you haven't had your infectious disease rotation and you're trying to verify something that is for a meningitis patient that you're not too sure about, you know, reach out to your infectious disease pharmacist. They're there to help support your growth and knowledge base. And this is exactly how you do that is by engaging with them and discussing reasons and really understanding the wherewithal of how to kind of navigate this process is really what they're there for. Great advice. It will definitely take a lot of time to build that up. And our next question is, I know that rotation responsibilities can vary, but what does a typical work day or week look like for you? Lucy, to start? Yes, this is definitely significantly variable based on the rotation, but generally... I would say day-to-day, I am working at my patients, being an active participant in patient care rounds, being the go-to pharmacy person with any questions that the team has related to patients' medications. After rounds, I'll typically talk about patients with my preceptor, and then the afternoon can be variable, whether that be counseling patients that are being discharged, having, I have clinic once a week in the afternoons or various topic discussions or meetings. Specifically, we are on multiple committees throughout the year. So we have set committee meetings throughout the month uh, that we will attend in the afternoons. Yeah, so the the typical work day or work week can can definitely be variable based off the rotation. Um, But I'll kind of just describe my typical work day in our clinical care center. So I spend about 50% of my residency in the clinical care center, and that's where I'll perform sort of like all my specific specialty pharmacy duties. Um, So I'm sort of fully implemented as a pharmacist or a pharmacy resident into that care center. That's where we sort of like process our specialty medication orders. We can do our treatment initiations for our patients. Um, That's where we will do that comprehensive assessment, onboard the patient to our services, counsel them, talk about dosing, side effects, administration. We'll do injection training as well. Um, So kind of that that full pharmacy counseling. Um, We'll also handle any sort of like escalations if Um, Any technicians have any questions, say a patient calls and they maybe have an infection, they've missed a couple doses, um, we'll sort of handle those on the fly. We're also managing um, sort of like the the operation component as well. If maybe medications need to be walked over to clinic, maybe medications need to be ordered. Um, So kind of handling those those day-to-day pharmacy tasks. And for me, uh, besides the normal rotational duties, naturally it does vary. Management rotations, I would say, are a lot more meeting oriented and project based, whereas my clinical rotations, like everyone says, you know, you work up patients, you present patients, you go to rounds and you do topic discussions and you, you get drilled by your preceptor. Normal. But outside of that, I would say we have monthly subcommittee meetings. Uh, sometimes there might be two times, just depending on what needs to be discussed. Uh, we have the weekend staffing every third weekend, clinical on call pager for about two weeks at a time, but we rotate that with two other residents. And then for me being the HSPAL resident, part of the Houston program, we have classes two to three times per week so we can work on our master's degree. But those are usually at night. And luckily, sometimes they're virtual, which makes it a lot easier. But it really does depend on what's going on that month. I will say when I was really knee deep in the recruitment season, it was definitely weekly recruiting meetings. And now as we're getting to the onboarding time for our new residents, I'm sure that is going to be the exact same thing. So it really just depends on the month and the season. 
for me, a typical work week will really vary depending on the rotation I'm on. So my normal work week from Monday through Friday, I typically spend my morning working up patients and routing with the specific service that I'm on. And I really try to hold myself accountable for my patient's medication management. So I will specifically look at all of their medications, make sure they're all appropriate for their indication, that the dose is appropriate, that it doesn't interact with any other medications. So I'm spending um, a lot of time doing that. And I'm also responsible for completing any consult orders that come through for the patients on my service, such as the pharmacokinetic or anticoagulation consults. And then in the afternoon, I'm typically reviewing patients with my preceptors. I'm um, either leading or participating in topic discussions or journal clubs or being actively involved in some of the different meetings that we take part in. And then I also go to the anticoagulation clinic once a week in the afternoon for about three hours. And this is where I just manage my patients' current warfarin therapy for the patients that come in on those days. And then every other weekend, I also do my staffing component of the residency. So we do rotate shifts, and this includes both staffing in the inpatient central pharmacy or being one of the few clinical pharmacists that are here on the weekend and doing the patient's consults and looking at the patients in the hospital to make sure that all of their medication therapies are appropriate. That's great. There's so much variability in your day-to-day. -day. Now, with all of the responsibilities of residency, how do you incorporate wellness and well-being into your life? Isabel, we'll start with you. Yeah, so I think kind of the main ways to incorporate it into your life first is managing your time well. Um, so I kind of mentioned earlier, like having those soft deadlines for maybe any projects that you have, maybe any tasks, topic discussions, just so they don't build up at the last minute and kind of cause more stress. Um, I also think it's really important, especially kind of like during this very stressful year, um, just to allow yourself to, to relax, maybe do things that you enjoy. Like I, I really like hanging out with my roommate, watching TV, um, going out to eat. So I'll sort of sprinkle those things throughout the week so that stress doesn't like build up and becomes overwhelming throughout time. Yeah, and I would definitely agree is making sure you you have that time delineated out in your schedule for your relaxation, you know, whether it's just hanging out with friends, talking on the phone, playing a video game, whatever it is that makes you happiest, you need to do that at least once a night, if it's only for 30 minutes, just to, to turn off, refill your cup. I can't stress enough the importance of exercise and eating a well-balanced diet to the best of your ability, of course. I know it's harder some days than others. But this is a year upwards of two year period of your life where if you can't manage that and you're eating poorly and not exercising, you know, we're pharmacists, right? We know cardiovascular diseases when we see them. But other than that, I would definitely say ensuring that you have that time carved out and that, you know, you, you reach out when you, you feel like it, things are overwhelming. I again, time management is incredibly important. And the sooner you are able to navigate that world, the better off you will be. I promise you that. Yeah, I also agree with everything that everyone said so far. I feel like work-life balance for each individual pharmacy resident can look very different depending on what each individual resident prioritizes and how they work best. So a lot of the residents that I work with will stay later at the hospital to complete all of their rotational and longitudinal projects um, so that when they're home, they're home and they're able to relax and focus on those interests that they like to do at home. For me personally, I favor to complete my rotational work and then go home a little earlier so that I'm able to see my fiance and my dogs. And I really value spending time with my family and, and my friends. So that means I have to spend a little bit more time at home working on projects outside of work. Um, but I really just value having that time being home and being with the people that I love. So 
I would say just however you work best, um, try to discover that a little bit earlier on so that you can do that through that throughout the remaining part of your residency year. Yeah, I would completely agree. I think it's important to know what fills your own cup up and what you prioritize and what's going, what that wellness looks like for you. So I'm pretty similar to Kelly in that I like to be home and get my comfy clothes and relax. So that might mean that I'm, you know, working on topic discussions or things at home. But if you would rather stay a little bit later at work and finish things up so that when you're home, you can just turn it off and not bring anything home with you. That I think both are completely fine. It's just about what is important to you. I think prioritizing, you know, for me, I enjoy spending time with my friends and family. That's what fills my cup up. So I really make an effort to prioritize that as well as getting enough sleep. I cannot emphasize that enough. Uh, No one is performing at their best when they're sleep deprived. So just ensuring that, you know, you're creating a schedule for yourself that sets you up for success in the long term. Great advice from all of you. I think very personalized, but it's nice to hear all those different options. And what is the most rewarding part of your job? Jason, you can start us off. Yeah, I think residency as a whole is going to be full of trials and tribulations. And it's incredibly important to stop and just realize how far you've come. And I think one of the most rewarding parts is kind of looking back after a long month and just realizing, man, this has been tough, but stopping to see like how much you've actually accomplished be it the first month, the first three months, or now, what are we, nine, 10 months down the line? It, it it really is a lot. And you won't realize it if you are doing it every single day. But if you kind of stop and just rehash what you've done that month, you'll kind of see it laid out in front of you, how much you've learned, all the experiences you've gained, you know, the amount of times you failed, but turned into something that you can now put forward to something else that'll be a success. And above all else, of course, you know, impacting the patients and my health system. You know, I know the impact that I'm going to have and just seeing small things come to fruition is just really satisfying. I definitely agree with all of that. I would say that the most rewarding part of my job has definitely been the patient care that I've been able to impact. It's just been really rewarding to see my progress over the past year and how far I've come and being able to see the impacts that I've made on my different patients, whether that is in the clinic when I see them week after week or seeing some of the recommendations and looking back on the recommendations that I've made for patients who have had a long hospital stay. So I would say that really is patient care is what has helped me keep going each day um, and looking forward to still coming in um, each and every day as well. I think that especially being at a pediatric hospital, uh, seeing the impact that you're making on, you know, little kids that are going through their worst being sick in the inpatient setting, just knowing that you're making a difference in their care and seeing the difference that I make now compared to the beginning of the residency. I know that I have improved so much throughout the year and I can feel that confidence in myself and in my knowledge building. And that has definitely been what has been most rewarding so far. Yeah, I would also say the same. I would say um, patient care is one of the most rewarding parts of my job, Um, especially in in specialty pharmacy. You're dealing with these very complex, maybe rare disease states. Um, These patients have have tried and failed many other other medications and 
and they're finally able to get access to these high cost medications and just providing them with, with some sort of relief with their disease state um, and the patient care that you're able to provide is, is something I get to see every time I'm in the, the clinical care center. And that's something I love about my job. Wonderful. It's great to hear all those wonderful things that you love about your jobs. And what are your plans for next year following completion of your PGY1 residency? Kelly, for you to start. Yeah, so for next year, I did commit to a second year residency at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center specializing in internal medicine. So I will be shortly starting to pick my rotations and my longitudinal projects for internal medicine. So I'm super excited for that. And I have accepted a decentralized pharmacist position at Cincinnati Children's so that it, I will have a combination of both inpatient staffing as well as clinical rounding with some of the general pediatrics teams at Cincinnati Children's. So it'll be a nice combination of both the inpatient clinical as well as staffing, uh, which is something that I'm really looking forward to. So after the PGY-1, I'll be um, looking for jobs. Um, the residency really showed me kind of the impact that health system specialty pharmacies can make. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, you have access to the EHR. You can make those kind of additional clinical assessments. You have relations with the clinics. Um, so I'll be looking uh, for a uh, clinical pharmacist position at an HSSP, um, hopefully within the Chicagoland area. And lastly, for me, uh, the PGY-1, PGY-2, HSPAL, as is said in the name, you kind of sign up for a two-year residency, whether you wanted to or not. So as I always say, uh, regardless of whether my program wants to keep me, they're forced to have me. So I'll be on for another year. <laughs> That's wonderful. Great to hear, everyone. And I think we have time for one more question. What lasting advice would you have for a pharmacy student who might be interested in pursuing residency? Lucy? I would say looking at programs early is the best thing that you can do for yourself to set yourself up for success during the residency application process, because there are so many different programs available and it can be overwhelming to kind of tease through the whole ASHP website. So filtering through early and seeing which programs you may have interest in so that you have time to really dive into their different program requirements and what rotations they offer and start teasing out even more which ones you're really interested in applying to. Also, that will really help you get the most out of mid-year so that you can prioritize a list of which programs you really want to talk to during the showcases and being prepared with good questions for those programs during the showcase is so important. You know, doing your research beforehand, looking at their websites and coming up with questions that aren't necessarily on the website can really show that you have a genuine interest in the program and set you apart from some other candidates. I think sort of like my, my take home message and everyone sort of touched on this previously is, is just really keep an open mind, kind of experience anything that you can experience. You never know what you're going to like, even if you have an experience and you realize you don't like it. Well, at least now you know what you don't like. And then you can um, sort of identify your priorities, what you want to look for in a residency, what you want to look for in your future career plan. I think it's also important just to keep an open mind, even in your interviews. When I was interviewing, I was kind of set that I was going to do this one specific residency, but then I interviewed with UIC and that completely changed my mind because I, I really connected with the team. Um, so I think just keeping your mind sort of at every point in the process um, in the residency application. 
and as, as always, reach out to the current residents, you know, get to know them one-on-one a little bit to understand a day in their life. You know, if they look miserable at their site, you know, maybe, maybe that's not the best site for you to go to, but just really understand the area that they're in and trying to see if their day-to-day is something you can see yourself doing day-to-day because this is a year up to two-year commitment. So you want to be happy where you go. A big thing, especially when it comes to interviewing is don't change your personality just to match a program's energy. I see that a lot. And Honestly, a lot of people can tell when you're being fake, so it never never comes off good. But most importantly, if if you can't be yourself in a program, then I don't think that's necessarily the best fit for you. And that's not somewhere you want to be for one whole year when you have to try and be someone that you're not. So be true to yourself at all times and know really what you're seeking out of this residency, because that's what you should be getting out of it. And then my biggest piece of advice for anyone interested in pursuing a residency is to just get involved early on, start experimenting with different opportunities in pharmacy. And just like everyone else has has said, to just be yourself. If you're involved in different activities that you're truly interested in, you'll definitely find many more opportunities for continued involvement along the way. And this will also help you to the specific types of residencies or the careers that you're interested in. Thank you all. That's all the time we have for today. And I want to give a big thank you to Kelly Strama, Lucy Gaynor, Isabel Toe, and Jason Levy for joining us today and sharing their story. You can check out the show notes for some helpful links, including the ASHP Student Residency Resource Center and the ASHP Residency Guide, Transitioning from Student to PGY-1. This free member guide offers valuable tips on how to successfully transition into your PGY-1 residency, including helpful resources for obtaining licensure, preparing for residency training, and getting started on resident research. Join us here at ASHP Official in the Practice Journey podcast as we learn about how our members seek out, grow, and evolve during their careers. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.